I think I have a pretty good grasp of the Bible and uh, how I teach it to my Sunday school class. Granted, I've been asked to step down a few times, but I mean, heresy is such a loose term these days. But I think if you put all the jigsaw pieces of the puzzle of the Bible together, I think I have a pretty good idea to teach anybody a little thing or two. Okay, so uh, share some of your knowledge with us. Okay, no problem on that one. Um, the Bible really doesn't get cooking until Moses built the ark. And wait, no, um, no, he was the one that parted the Red Sea. He was also the one that wrestled with God in the river of Gabok. And if it wasn't for that, he wouldn't have been able to part that river too. But that was a foreshadowing. That was a prophecy for the New Testament when Luke would be in that river going, hey, I thought I could walk on water. And that was a foreshadowing of King Nebuchadnezzar telling King David, go get those people out of that water because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do not belong there. And that is how King James became the greatest king of Israel. I believe in putting the words into action. You know what I mean? I mean, it's one thing to talk the talk. It's another one to walk the walk. All right? Case in point. I taught my kids the other day about David and Goliath, right? Now my youngest son, he's got mad skills with a slingshot. You know, I, I could tell you several stories of us, you know, putting the word into action. Uh, one of the most recent ones is I told my boys about, you know, Joseph and his brothers. And my oldest son, my oldest son... Tried to sell his brother to the next door neighbor for a coat. My little entrepreneur. Bob was proud. And it was a nice coat. I'm a big fan of the Bible. I mean, who wouldn't be? It's in most hotel chains. I have one. Probably two. I know I have a non-reading one in our living room. It's beautiful. It's right underneath our plaque that says, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm such a fan. I became a fan of the Bible on Facebook. Big fan. So um, how often do you read the Bible? I'm a big fan. I don't see what the big deal is about, you know, memorizing scripture or carrying a big old clunky Bible everywhere. I mean, I have multiple translations of the Bible right here on my phone and on my digital reader, you know. And when I get to church, it's up on the screens. I don't really need to carry. I mean, carrying a big Bible anymore is just passe. Don't you think that having your own Bible helps you plant God's Word inside your heart? Really? So like, you know, thy word is a, a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path? You talking like Psalm 119, 113? I'm sorry, I, I guess you do know quite a bit of scripture on your own then. Nope. Just Google it. This is my grandmother's Bible. She used to read to me out of this Bible when I was just a kid. She passed away this summer. A family member gave it to me because they knew I was a believer. To them, it was just a book. But to me, when I sit down and I read it, I see all her little notes. I see all the little highlighted pages, the dog-eared pages. I see the things that really meant something to her when God was speaking to her through his word. And I realize it's her legacy of faith that's passed on to me. That was passed from her parents to her. And you know what? It impacts my faith. More than anything, this truly is the living word. It is the living word of God. Well, uh, outside of Grandma's Bible, that was ignorance on display, dis display about the Bible, wasn't it? <laughs> 
You know, it's kind of funny, but it's sad about how little so many people know about the greatest book that was ever written. We're going to talk about it today. I want you to look in your Bible, Psalms 119. I want to dismiss our Connect class this morning. That's designed for new people, new in the church. It's meeting in the cafe, and you can go now. You know, one of the best ways I know to encourage you to connect to God on a daily basis is that you take a few minutes and read your Bible each day. Just a few minutes, the book of life, letting it get into you so you'll know what God thinks and, and how to live. We've, we want to help you. We've got an easy way. We've got Bible guides, which is basically Old Testament, New Testament, a chapter a day. And if you didn't get one in the bulletin, you can pick one up at the door on your way out. But Psalm 119, verse 105 is an interesting verse. It says, your word, or the Bible, is like a what? Yeah, it's a lamp for my feet. Now, think about this. Think about a flashlight. It's a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. I like to take walks, and I walk in the evenings. I live in the country, and I have killed about four snakes in and around my yard this year, so my eyes are open when I'm walking, whether it's daylight or dark. But if I take an evening walk, I put a flashlight in my pocket, so when I'm coming back and I walk in the woods through the path by my house, I'm looking to see if that little guy's there. Because how many know, just like we need to have our paths illumined when it's dark so the snake doesn't bite us, how many know we need the paths of life to be illumined? I need to know how to raise my children. I need to know how to run my business. I need to know how to advance in my company. I need to know how to get ahead in life. I need to know what's going to make God happy, and that's what the Bible does. Now, listen to the message translation of that same verse. It says, by your words, I can see where I'm going. Can you say that with me? By your words, I can see where I'm going. I can mark my path out in life. It's like the Bible is better than a, than a counselor at school that's going to help me pick a career. The Bible is better than a marriage counselor to help me prepare for marriage. The Bible helps me prepare for life. If I'll take time to read it and get it inside my life, it, it shows me where I'm going. It throws a beam of light on my dark path. Well, this simply means that the Bible offers something to you and I if we will read it and we will put it into practice in our life. The Bible offers us, it'll, it'll help us make good decisions. I don't care what you've got to decide, there is a biblical truth, a biblical verse that will help you make a good decision so you can stay in a place of being pleasing to God. The Bible will show you the difference between right and wrong because, let me know, our society doesn't know that any longer. See, our world will even tell us that everybody gets to decide what's right and wrong on their own. Can I tell you that's not true? God has a way of right and wrong. The Bible will show you that way. It'll protect you from harm. It will give you peace and encouragement. How many have been really stressed out or troubled or fearful, and yet you opened the page of the Bible and you read something, maybe a, a portion of Psalms or the words of Jesus, and it really lifted your burden? How many have had that experience in life? Sure. It's like it's words of life. It's not information. It's not Reader's Digest. It's not like a school course. It is the main way that God speaks to us. Now, I want to do something a little bit different in my message this morning. We just printed a brand new Bible guide, and it's for the next couple of months. It's for July and August. And I'm going to encourage you to get into the Bible yourself on a daily basis. And the way I want to do that this morning is I'm going to go back to Thursday's reading. I don't know if you've been reading with us, but Thursday we read 1 Kings 17 about the life of Elijah. And I want to kind of walk you through that passage just like I did when I read my Bible that morning. Because I think there's going to be something that God will give to you. Now, here's three things worth writing down when you need, read your Bible. When I read my Bible, I'm looking for three things. Number one, I want to know what it meant. And I'm talking about the past. What I mean by that is, when it was originally written, the people that it was talking to, I want to know what the words meant. I want to know some facts. Everybody say facts. 
I want to know kind of about the past. That's why I've got a good study Bible. I've got several, but I like the Spirit-filled life Bible. It kind of fills in the blanks about the historical part. But I'm not just reading the Bible for facts. Now, here's where it really gets good. I'm reading the Bible for application. I want to know not just what it meant. I want to know what it means to me. Now, let me tell you, God will speak to you through the Word today. He will give you life. It's like, see, the Bible says of itself that God wrote that book. And God inspired And we could go back and do a study of history. We could show from archaeology. We could show from, from really throughout time about how the Bible has proven itself true once and once again. But not only do I read for facts, I'm reading for something for today, for relevance. How can I apply this to my life? And here's the third big thing I'm looking for. I'm looking for revelation. Can you say revelation? revelation. It simply means reveal something. God, would you speak to me? And I'll tell you, friends, one of the best things about the Bible, when you read a portion of Scripture, it's like something jumps off the page. You know what I'm talking about? It's like God is talking to you. Now, let me help you this morning. And I want you to go to 1 Kings chapter 17. And I think it's going to help you You see some insights as we go to an amazing story about a man God used to turn the nation around. And his name was Elijah. Can you say Elijah? Elijah was a prophet, which simply means he was God's representative. He was a man that was speaking for God when Israel was in a real troubled time. That's in the book of Kings, if you have your Bible, 1 Kings chapter 17. And in these books of Kings, 1 and 2, it was a period where the king was literally that. He was a monarch, and he ruled the people. He was uh, almost a dictator. But that king wasn't supposed to just do his thing on his own. He was supposed to be joined to the priest or to the religious leaders in the nation of Israel. And together, they would lead the nation in the right way. Well, it was like the government, and, and it was called a theocracy, where God was literally instituting his will through the governments of men. It was a good thing, but the nation had gotten away from God. And if you were just talking just facts for just a minute, the nation of Israel would get away from God. And what would happen? God would try to call them back through a prophet. If they wouldn't listen, God would judge them. And something would happen that would get the people's attention. And then they'd turn back to God. And then God would bless them again. Well, this is a period of time we're happening. And the guy we happen to be reading about is an Elijah. And it's an incredible story. I want you to enter into the text with me. If we can kind of go back in my mind to Thursday morning. 1 Kings 17, uh, verse 1, I'm sitting at the, uh, at the kitchen counter at the bar at my house. I've got, a, uh, got my hot tea. I've had a little bit of breakfast, and I've got some pens in my hand because let me know if the Lord speaks to you. You want to jot something down. Verse 1, now Elijah, he was the prophet. This is the first time he's mentioned, by the way. Elijah said to Ahab, and he was the, evil, he was the wicked king of Israel. And here's what this guy said. He said, as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand... There will be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. Now, stop just a second. What are the facts here? Basically, the prophet's saying God's going to stop it from raining for three years until you guys get it together. I mean, he was trying to get their attention. So after that, verse 2, the word of the Lord came to him. Depart and go from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is the east of, east of the Jordan River. You're going to drink water from the brook, and I've commanded a raven or a bird to feed you. Now, think about this. Twice a day, morning and evening, a bird would bring a Happy Meal. Now, I, I don't know if he'd go by Subway, if he would order turkey, or I, I don't know how it worked, but somehow a bird supernaturally provided for Elijah. Now, when I'm reading that a couple mornings ago, I'm thinking, man, this is not just natural, practical stuff. This is not just stuff that's in the control of man. God is all over this thing in a supernatural way. He is literally controlling the weather. Birds are feeding him. 
You'll drink from the brook. I've commanded the ravens to feed you. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by this brook. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread in the evening. And he drank from the brook. But in verse 7, there's a dramatic shift. And after a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain. And I paused just a minute and I began to, to, to think about what I was reading. And I can't tell you really where the difference is between what your mind puts together in terms of application and where the Holy Spirit is at work. But I can tell you the two of them working together. And God said some incredible things to me. You can read through it in just a couple minutes or you can think about it and meditate on it. And let me tell you some of the things I believe the Lord told me. Let me tell you what the Holy Spirit was showing me. And here's the first one. A nation in trouble needs a man of God to show them right from wrong. Now, let me say it again. A nation in trouble needs a man of God to show them right from wrong. And when I say man of God, I mean generically. He needs a woman of God like the prophetess Deborah. He needs a woman of God like, the, like Queen Esther. He needs someone to stand up for righteousness. He needs kids standing up for righteousness in their schools. He needs people standing up for righteousness in their jobs, in the marketplace, on the baseball field. Whatever the platform of life we have, somebody needs to be standing up for what's right. And it could be as simple as you're in, you're, you're in an environment and somebody is standing up and just asking God to damn things. You, you've been around it. You know, somebody needs to perhaps stand up and say, hey, listen. And I tell you, let me tell you a little funny story, true story. When I was in the Navy, it been a long time ago, but we were working. I was working in the kitchen. We had to work six, six months, kind of kitchen duty. And I was in Alaska, a beautiful place. But I was back in the kitchen and my supervisor uh, they had brought some milk in, and the cart was real heavy, and it got hung, and he started asking God to damn the cart. And he was doing this pretty loud, and I just kind of stood up, and I said, his name was Sparks. I said, uh, Petty Officer Sparks, what would we do if God damned all that milk and it turned sour? He looked at me like, what? I said, no, really, man, you're asking God to damn the milk. If God damned the milk, we'd have to throw it all away. It wouldn't be any good. And it was a hush that fell on that room. But I'm telling you, several weeks later, I led that guy to Christ. It's just being willing to stand up. You know, he could have told me to shut my mouth and I would have shut my mouth. But the object is people standing for righteousness. Now, that is exactly what Elijah did. He stood up for what was right and he was telling King Ahab, Hey, listen, we're messing up and we need to get our act together. I want to tell you this, friends. America is in trouble. Our nation is in trouble and our nation needs men and women of God to stand up for what's right. Listen, our nation almost on a daily basis makes laws to throw marriage under the bus as it pushes the homosexual agenda forwards. Come on, our nation, listen, we are ignoring, we, we, are, we are punishing Israel and we're, we're ignoring Iran. See, our nation is abandoning biblical economic principles and it's like we're printing money and just going crazy about to bankrupt our nation. See, right now nations are meeting, our president and key nations of the world are meeting in Canada to talk about the future of the economics on the planet. Listen, somebody needs a biblical idea, not just more of the same they're doing, this bankrupting the whole world. See, our nation is confused because we have lost a biblical truth and a biblical focus. And listen, our schools have expunged Christian history from the teachings in our textbooks. Uh, Jesus is not welcome in our schools, but there was a lead story that, that made its way across the nation this week that in a Massachusetts school district, Fox News broke a story that said they were willing to give condoms to first graders to just because, listen, we want our kids to be safe. Well, I don't just want my kids to be safe. I want my kids to be godly. Come on. 
And if they're godly, then they'll be safe. But I want to be a voice of righteousness, of standing for what's right in America today, friends. And as I began to read this passage in the Bible, it was not just like I got some historical facts. It was like the Holy Spirit says to me, why don't you be a man like Elijah? Why don't you stand for righteousness? And something began to get a hold of me, and I began to just, right there at my Bible, say, God, would you give me a a, a voice in this nation? I begin to pray for you, for my friends that are part of Church on the Rock, that our church would have a, a voice in this city, that we would have a voice in the nation, that you would look for those opportunities where you could stand for righteousness. I'm telling you, when you read your Bible, it's more than just getting Bible facts. It is God speaking to you about things you can apply for your life. Let me tell you, as I kept reading and I kept asking the Lord to speak to me, and as I'm meditating on the Word, here's something big that jumped off the page. It takes supernatural power to get the attention of the proud and powerful. Let me say it again. It takes supernatural power to get the attention of the proud and the powerful. You say, where'd you get that? Well, Elijah just simply prophesies and it stopped raining for three years. Now, I want to tell you, you get everybody's attention, my friend, when their whole world is turned upside down. That Gulf oil spill has got the nation's and the world's attention right now. We're on day, what, 60 68, 69, and they, their best efforts have not stopped that thing right there. It could be that God is using some of that to shake the nation a little bit. Come on, and say your best efforts are not going to do good for you. But there needs to be something supernatural that's at work in our world if we're going to get the attention of this world. Words were not all that Elijah had. Now, what you think about this? Elijah had more than words. Elijah had the power of the Holy Spirit in his life. It's like the church as a whole in America today. Listen, we've got, we've got HD TV on our screens. We've got digital sound, but we don't have the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our altars. Come on. We don't have the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our, in, in, in our foyers, in our sanctuaries, in the marketplaces where we go. And something began to just stir me. Something in my heart began to cry out to God. God, would you visit me? Would you visit my generation afresh with the power of the Holy Spirit? See, they had it in the early church. Paul said when he was preaching that his preaching, they'll put it on the screen, was not just with the wisdom of humans' words, but it was in a demonstration of the Spirit and what? And of power. And I began to cry out to God and say, God, listen, you're the same yesterday. Listen, if you did it for them, can't you do it for us in today's world as well? As I read my Bible in Mark 16, doesn't it tell us that these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe? Now, how many believe in this room? Wave your hand at me this morning. How many believers do we have? Well, the Bible says these signs will accompany those that believe. In my name, they'll do what? They'll cast out demons in my name. They'll speak in new languages. And verse 18 says they'll place their hands on the sick and they'll be what? They'll be healed. And something began to just stir in me. And I began to call and cry and cry out to God. Listen, I, I, I wasn't playing on my iPhone. I wasn't waiting to get to my telephone or listen to the radio over the TV. Something was happening in my life on Thursday morning. I was crying out to God. My faith is being built. See, this happens every time if you will open your Bible in a fresh new way and not just read it for the facts, but read it for application and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you, I'm telling you, friend, God will be all over that Bible. And God will turn you into a different person. Now, I kept reading and meditating. Let me tell you this. This was a big one. When I'm on a mission from God, I can trust Him to take care of me. Let me say it again. When I'm on a mission from God, isn't that what Elijah was doing? Elijah, God told him to basically go in the wilderness 
for three for a couple three years. He didn't have a job. He didn't have a savings account. Come on now. He didn't have anything extra. He didn't fill his suitcases with rice and beans. He just obeyed God. And for two and a half, three years, God took care of him supernaturally. See, God gave him water to drink, and God sent a bird to bring him something to eat. Now, listen, if you're on a mission from God, you can have confidence that God's going to take care of you. Let me say it again today. If you're on a mission from God, you can have confidence God will take care of you. In case you hadn't realized this, our economy is in trouble, my friends. Our economy is in trouble. Listen, home sales down, what, 33% this past month? Home sales down. Um, the unemployment continues to rise and go up. Over 400,000 people every week are applying for, 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 for unemployment insurance. Our nation is bankrupt. Our president's even admitted we don't have any money. The nation of Greece is selling their islands in the, what is it, the Aegean Sea. They're selling their islands around them so they can make money because they're bankrupt. I want to tell you, my friends, we are a nation that is in trouble. And if you're not careful, you can let fear take over you. Now, let me, let me get into your heart on this a little bit this morning. You know, Jesus talked to us about this. Jesus said in Matthew six thirty three that we're to seek, say it again. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then what will He do? All these things will be added unto you. That's food to eat. That's clothes to put on. Come on, didn't Jesus say, I'd give shelter for you? So isn't there a promise that if you stay on a mission from God, seeking first the kingdom, that somehow God is going to take care of you? It doesn't mean there's not going to be troubled times. It doesn't mean that it may not be difficult sometimes. But what it simply means is God has given a promise that He's going to take care of you. Because sometimes when it's dark and I'm thinking and looking at checkbooks and things, I think, well, Lord, what are we going to do? What am I going to do if my kid's car, you know, quits running? I mean, it uses a little more oil than it should. I can't afford another car payment. You know, listen, the church ministries, Lord, they exist because people give and people only give when they have jobs. You don't think that way, do you? See, how, how, how am I going to retire? Your retirement account several years ago was probably at least double what it is today. And just like that, it can drop over nothing, over what happens in China, over what happens in a, 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 a meeting with Treasury Secretary Geithner in Chinese. It, it'll drop 150 points for nothing. We live in an uncertain world. But when the Holy Spirit speaks to you that if I took care of Elijah, I can take care of you. I want to tell you, friend, friend and wor uh, fear and worry tends to go out the window. Come on. And confidence in God replaces it. See, I don't care where you are today. Something can shift dramatically tomorrow. You may have a secure job at Red River. Well, what happens if the war is over? What happens if they downsize? You may be in the medical profession. What happens if through health care and God only knows what's going to happen and be in it? What happens if you're just cut out of the loop? See, just like that, your world can change. But I'm telling you, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I felt the Holy Spirit seeking to me, listen, if I can take care of Elijah when he's on a mission from God, I can take care of you. So you trust in me and keep doing what I told you to do. Someone give the Lord a good hand today. Now, here's another one. This is a big one. Don't panic when things change. God is still in control. Now, I want to say that again. You remember these two and a half, three years, he took care of him through water in a brook and through a bird. But all of a sudden, the Bible says the brook dried up. Now, that's a picture, and I felt the Lord speaking to me. That's a picture about transition and change. 
And change happens in life. And how many know when things are good in life, nobody wants change to happen? I mean, when things are going well, every one of us in this room wants security. Come on. Every one of us wants certainty in our life. Every one of us want to have make sure we have a big bank account. Every one of us wants to make sure that the savings are there, the job is there, and all that. But sometimes transition comes in your life. Sometimes your brook dries up. And can I tell you this? When your brook dries up, it may not be a bad thing. Now, let me speak to you just a second. Our lives will change. And what God is looking for is us to have a relationship with Him of dependence and trust. So no matter what's going on in the world around us, our confidence is in Christ, and it is a rock-solid faith. Because, listen, just because your world changes does not mean that God changes. Say with me now. Listen, God is still in control even if your brook dries up. God is still in control of your life even if Cooper Tire were to close. Now, I'm thrilled several years ago that our plant stayed open. How about you? Tens of millions of dollars in our local economy. But guess what? Your faith could have stayed strong even if they closed. Even if wherever you were, if that closes. Listen, your first source is not the unemployment check. Thank God for unemployment. Thank God for help from other people. Thank God for savings. But God is the one that's in control of our lives. And sometimes He will purposefully shake your world up a little bit to make you depend on Him a little bit more. Now let me read you a scripture. This is 2 Corinthians 1. If you don't listen to anything else today, I want you to listen to this. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. You see, we live in a world where we want our brook to stay at a constant 6 foot and 70 degrees. But sometimes that brook grows down to nothing. And don't you think Elijah didn't have a struggle with it? He watched that brook go from whatever level of it was, and he watched it dry up. If you were to get a warning at your job, and if they were to say, we're going to be laying off people in the next 90 days, or our plant's going to be closing down in the next 90 days, I guarantee you, every time you're going in that plant, you're aware that change is coming, and you're either going to be affected by fear, or you're going to be affected by faith. And I'm telling you, friends, as I took some time Thursday morning to read my Bible and think about what was happening, and just somehow between my mind, my heart, my emotions, and the Spirit of God, what was happening in my life is my faith was growing stronger and stronger, and I was believing God more and more. Someone say, praise the Lord. Now listen to this scripture, 2 Corinthians 1. Paul, another man on a mission from God, Paul said these words, We don't want you to be in the dark, friends, about how hard it was when all this came on us. We don't want you to be in the dark. Now, listen to this. It was so bad, we didn't think we were going to make it. Have you ever been there? This is the Message Bible. It was so bad, we didn't think we were going to make it. We felt like we'd been sent to death row, that it was all over for us. But as it turned out, it was the best thing that could have happened. Now, stop just a minute before you read that. It was so bad, I thought it was going to be over. But it turned out this was the best thing that could have ever happened in my life. Now, why is it? Now, listen to this. It said, instead of trusting in our own strength, our wits to get us out of it, we were, trust, we were forced to trust God totally. Instead of trusting in my education, my experience, my savings, my goal that I've got stuffed away somewhere. Come on. Whatever it is that you're trusting in, your inheritance that's been promised to you, whatever you're trusting in is not enough. This happened so I wouldn't trust in myself but trust in God, listen, that raises the dead. It's not a bad idea since God raises the dead. And He did it. He rescued us from certain doom. And guess what? He'll do it again, rescuing us as many times as we need rescuing. And this was great. Listen, He'll rescue me every time I need to be rescued. Now, I'm going to close with this as Pastor Nick comes. I want you to think about this now. 
Here's a guy that's saying, it was so troubling outside, I didn't know what to do. But it made me trust God like never before. Well, I want to tell you this. God is trustworthy, and God is faithful, and God will never let you down. Someone say praise the Lord this morning. Give him a good hand today. He's a faithful God, and he'll see you to the other side. Now listen. You can read your Bible and just pick up some facts. You could have read those seven verses in probably about a minute. You could have just skimmed through it and you've got some facts. Yeah, prophet, Elijah, yeah, going to be a drought, uh, no rain. Uh, yeah, he took care of him with a bird. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, the brook dried up and God was going to do something else. Or you could just take some time in your Bible and say, Holy Spirit, would you speak to me? You know, when I read my Bible before I even open it, I say, Lord, I'm going to spend a little time now. Would you talk to my heart? Would you put these words in my life? And let it make a difference to me. Let me kind of close. And rather than me reading the last few verses, let me just kind of tell it from my heart. Because I kept reading that morning. I had a little extra time to go. And I, I wanted to read a little bit more. See, the brook had dried up. And I knew the story, but I wanted to read it again. He sent him to a, a city called Zarephath. And there was a widow there. Now, you would think if God was going to send me to someone to take care of me, that widow woman would have just got a good, nice life insurance policy. Come on. She had, you know, a couple million dollars in the bank there, half million dollars in the bank. You'd have thought that she'd have had some investment properties, right? I mean, that's the kind of widow. That's what it makes sense to me. Well, he shows up at this town, and there's the widow woman. I guess God said that's the one. And he goes on to her, and he said, uh, hey, would you give me some water? And she said, yeah, I'll give you something to drink. Now, mind you, that's the most precious thing it is in a drought water. He says, oh, by the way, I'm hungry, too. Can you fix me a sandwich? And I think about what she said. She said, well... All I've got is just a little bit of flour. All I've got is just a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. That's all I've got. She said, actually, I was just going to go get some sticks and make a fire. And I was told this morning by a cook, that's about a biscuit and a half right there. And that's it. I'm going to put a little oil in it, and then we're going to die. Now, I stopped right there, and I put my pencil down. And I said, now, isn't that odd? Rather than sending him to a rich widow woman, he sent him to one of the poorest people in the town that had so given up on life that she was ready to die. Now, how can God take care of you from that? How can God take this little bit and cause you to be cared for for months and months and months? You say, well, it's impossible. Yeah, that's what I thought too until the Scripture came to my mind that nothing is impossible with God. And God lives in this world of impossibility. And an amazing thing, Elijah said, well, I know you don't have much, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to first make the biscuits, but give me one first, and then you eat a bite. And oh, by the way, if you do this, God's going to take care of you and your son. And this jar of flour will never run dry until the drought's over. Now, how many know it takes faith to believe something like that? See, if you were to take your dipper, and that's a half a cup, when she put it in there in a half a cup and it was empty, and she put it in again, it's just like Jesus feeding thousands of people out of a little boy's lunch. And I'm going to tell you, that's how God took care of a widow woman and her child and a prophet until the drought changed. And as I read that, I learned something else too. I learned that God can take care of me from the most unlikely sources. See, it was like the Holy Spirit was now starting to apply it to my life. That it doesn't always have to come from the way that I think it's going to come. You notice they've even changed your Social Security statement, if you've read it, the one you get every year. It used to say this is what you're guaranteed, but now it says that Congress has the right to change laws. And uh, it says, you know, there may be some changes the time it comes because everybody knows it's broke and bankrupt. Come on. 
And if all you're looking for is Social Security to take care of you, you're going to have a problem because their bowl is going to be empty pretty soon. Well, how many know God's bowl has an ability to be filled and filled and filled and filled if you stay on mission from God? Now, if you just live crazy and do your own thing, well, you're going to be stuck with what you get. But if you're on mission from God, something else I'll learn, not only could God take care of me from unlikely sources, but there was a little bit of a prescription for a miracle in that passage. There was a way that this woman walked in something that was supernatural. And you know what she had to do? She had to believe, or she had to believe, and Elijah had to believe, that they could do more with what God had than what they had. And that's where a miracle starts. It doesn't look at the limitation in the bowl. It looks at who's got the bowl. And that's God. And I want to tell you, God's got your bowl, friend. And God knows what your need is. And then I, and I thought about that and I said, now, isn't this interesting that God asked this woman to give when she didn't have hardly anything to give? And in my world, when I don't have a lot, my first tendency is to hoard and hang on to it. But I was reminded as I read that morning that scripture in Luke 6, 38, give and it'll be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together will men bring into your bosom. And I thought, that's exactly what that widow woman did. And it took faith for her to do that. Because what I learned that morning on Thursday morning as I was reading my Bible is that God is bigger than the drought. Come on. God is bigger than a, than a biscuit and a half. God is a supernatural God. And if he took care of that widow woman, if he took care of that Elijah, he can take good care of me. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord this morning. So, so I share that with you today just to say that that was not my sermon preparation. That was my time with Jesus on Thursday morning. And I want to encourage you to make a commitment to the Lord this morning, to kind of nudge yourself a little bit, is to get back on track in your spiritual life if you've gotten off, to stay with reading that Bible. If you don't have a Bible, get one. If you can't afford one, talk to me and we'll get you one. You know, if you, don't, if you didn't get a Bible God in your bulletin, pick one up at the back door. They'll have someone there, some thereafter. But take some time, whether it's in the morning or in the evening or sometimes during your lunch break, go to the park and just open God's Word and read through it and let God speak to you. Let him give you the facts. Come on. You'll learn those just from logical reading of the text, a good study Bible. Get the facts. Know what it said. But then say, Lord, now how does this apply to me? How does this apply to me? Holy Spirit, would you speak to me? And I promise you, friends, God will do it. Listen, this could be a great summer of growth for you. In your personal spiritual life, what you're doing every day, taking time, praying and reading. Uh, Wednesday night, if you want to take a big step in your spiritual life, come with us on Wednesday night. We've got a great meal, uh, and, and then we do a John Bevere series. It's called Extraordinary. The youth are on fire on Wednesday night. Kids are coming. Kids are upstairs. I mean, it can help you take a good step forward in your spiritual life. Why don't you bow your heads just a minute? Lord, every person in this room today, we got up on a hot June Sunday to come to the house of the Lord because we wanted to have a connection with God. This morning, we've worshipped you. We've prayed. We've had communion together. We remember what Christ has done. In the last few minutes, we've been talking about growing. We've been talking about hearing the voice of God. We've been talking about not just knowing what the Bible says, but doing what it says, and applying it to our life. I just pray, Lord, that we would remember today, just like the word that Moses gave to Joshua, or God gave to Joshua many, many years ago, that if you want to be prosperous, you need to meditate on the word of God. You need to do what it says. And I just pray for each one of us here that we would have a new hunger for the Bible that we wouldn't just be satisfied with what the preacher told us, but we'd open it day after day 
And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd speak to us revelation. Show us how to live. Let the Word of God be a light into our path and a lamp into our feet. Would you just give us, I want you just, if this is your desire, I want you to slip your hands to heaven and say, Lord, give me a hunger for you and your Word. Let me have a greater desire to know you. Let me, Lord, as the Bible says, love you with all my heart and all my mind and all my soul and all my strength. I want that. I don't want to be a Sunday Christian. I want to be a 24-7 Christian. I don't want to be like one of those silly guys on the video with the Bible. I want to be somebody that knows the Word of God. It's deep in my heart, and I want it worked out in my life. I want it worked out in my family, my children, my business, my workplace. I, 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 want, I want to live the Bible when I'm on the ball field. I want to live it when I'm on vacation. I want the Bible to influence me while I'm choosing what shows I'll watch and which I'll turn off. Lord, I want your word to be a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Please help me do this in, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, hey, praise the Lord. It's a good day today, wasn't it? Listen, I know not a lot of you here want to get connected in the life of the church. You'd like to get involved. Let me encourage you to take that step. Uh, right after service today, there'll be people in the connect room right across the hall. You can, you can join the church. You can just say, hey, I want to get involved. Where do I go? What do I do? We'd be honored to, to have you share this journey with us. I want to offer one last prayer before we go today, and it's about your eternal soul. Can, can you look at me just eyeball to eyeball just a second? Give me just two minutes. Let me ask you this question. Actually, first of all, I'd like, like to share just a little personal comment. I went to church all my life. My mom made me go, and it made about that much difference in my life. You know, I believed in God, but God was like kind of on the shelf. If I had trouble in my world, I'd like dial 911 and say, help, help, help. And I'd like, you know, I'd hold, literally, I had a little black Bible. that had a little zipper on it with a little cross. And I can remember holding that little Bible in my hand. I, I can remember, you know, I really believe, but it just was not a part of my life. But I remember when I joined the Navy, a Gideon gave me a Bible, a little Bible, and he said, if you'll read this, it'll change your life. And I was at that wonderful point of life where God was pulling on me, and I didn't even know it was God. And I began to open the pages of that book, and, and I realized that there's something more than what I had. This is not religion. That God wanted a real relationship with me. And I read the Bible verse, to as many as received him, to those would become sons and daughters of God, to those that believed on his name. And I realized I was just going to church, that I was really not a believer in Christ. And as I began to read the pages of, those, of that book, I began to see that God loved me and cared for me. And he had a great plan for my life, but my sin had separated me from him. And I read the word, it was, it was a six-letter word called repent, which means change. Stop going your way and start going my way. And I can remember it was August fifteenth, 1976. That's a long time ago. What, 34 years ago? I was in a Navy boot camp, and I had read that Bible, and something in my heart says, Today, Jesus, I want to give you my life. There was no preacher there. There was no crowd there. It was just me and that Bible and Jesus. And I said, Yes, I wrote my name in the back of that little Bible, that little Gideon Bible. I still got it. And that was a long time ago, but I tell you, something happened on that night in a Navy boot camp. The Spirit of God came into my life, and Jesus turned me, on, turned me around, put me on the right path. That can happen to you. If you've been going the wrong way, God can put you on the right path. If, if, if Jesus has been like a 911 emergency call, He wants to be first in your life. But it starts with a step from you. Christ made His step on the cross 2,000 years ago. Today, I'm simply His ambassador telling you that God loves you and God's got a plan for your life. But you've got to make a step to Him. And I wonder if today is the day for that step. 
See, for some, you may be here, and it's the first time you've ever heard this, that you could have a relationship with God, that you needed to receive Him as Savior. For others, you've known it before, but you got off track. But today is a day that you want to make a step back to Christ, that you want Him to be first in your life. And you don't want to go home today the way you came, but you want to make sure when you leave today that Christ has forgiven your sins, that you've got a brand new start in life, and God's putting you in the right direction. Well, listen, if that's you this morning, I'll be delighted to pray with you. In just a second, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I, I want, I'd like the privilege to pray for you today. I'm going to ask you today, if you'll make a step to Jesus, I promise you, He'll change your life. If you're here today and say, Pastor, that's me, man. I want you to pray for me this morning. I want to get right with God. I, I, don't, want, I don't want to go back the way I was. I want Jesus to give me a brand new start in life. If that's you, why don't you just lift your hand? We'd be honored to pray for you today. Anyone this morning? to pray for me, Pastor. I want to get right with God today. I want to make sure that Christ is first in my life. Well, praise the Lord. This, this was a great day this morning, wasn't it? Lift your hand there. God bless you. Give him a big hand over here. I didn't make it quite around. God bless you. Come on up. Let us pray for you today. Bring your friend here if you like. Come on. Give him a big hand as he comes. Anybody else need to be with him? You come on up. We'll pray with you today. God bless you, man. God bless you. What's your name? Stephen Wooden. Stephen. Stephen. Let me tell you why we're doing this right now. The Bible says that when a man makes a step to God, there's more rejoicing in heaven than over 99 righteous people that don't need any, any you know, that don't need any, any fixing. But God has seen what you're doing today, and He is very happy for you. And I know when you've got the courage to make a step in front of a group of people you don't even know, that'll give you guts when it's Monday and Tuesday when you're at work or on the ball field or wherever you are to make your step to Christ. And we are very, very proud of you, man. Praise the Lord. Listen, I'm going to give him the privilege. He's going to talk to you just a little bit, answer any questions, and then take the privilege to pray with him as he makes his commitment to the Lord. Amen. Hey, it's a great day today. Listen, I hope to see you Wednesday night at John Bevere Extraordinary. And uh, you bring a friend with you next Sunday, and we'll see you then. Pastor Joe has the last word. That was a good word today, wasn't it? Y'all give Pastor John a round of applause. You know, he dedicates every Saturday just to spend time with the Lord, just to have a word for you. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go out on the count of three, and we're going to put a rock fist up in there, and we're going to say God is in control. And when you say that, I want you to declare that over every situation in your life that you need God to radically take control of. Is that good? Let's all stand up on three. One, two, three. God is in control. Remember, the church staff at Church on the Rock loves you and believes in you.